natural man does not love the light. He, in fact, hates the light, and he will not come to the light because his deeds are evil. But the regenerating grace of God brings about a change in the heart of an individual so that he is drawn to the light. You remember the illustrations that I used. I got more comments about my illustrations asking, are you a mole or are you a moth? A mole does not like the light. It burrows down in the ground. You pop it out of the ground, it wants to go back down into the ground. Got a lot of comments about moles. People saying, I think they're kind of cute. People saying, I think they're pretty ugly like you do. And uh, others saying, I feel your pain. I hate the moles in my yard as well. Um, I had somebody even ask me if I would come and help them get the moles out of their yard. So may start a side business. But anyway, I hope we remembered what the illustrations were for. That's really the important thing. Are we a light lover or a light hater? Am I more like the mole? Or do I like a moth? Am I drawn to the light? That is what John says will be true of those who belong to Christ. They will be those, as he says here in verse 7, that if we walk in the light as he is in the light, then we have fellowship with one another, and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. The previous verse, John says there, someone says, this is what they say with their mouth, with their lips, that they know God, but they're walking in darkness. He says they're a liar. They're a liar. And so the video of our life, and that's what John is looking at here, what is the video of our life saying about us? Am I a a mole? Am I one who loves the darkness? I'm not concerned about walking in the light. No matter what I may profess, John says you're a liar if you're walking in darkness. Or am I like the moth, the moth that is drawn to the light? And John says, this is his premise, that those who belong to Christ, They will be walking in the light. This is what the video of their life is saying. Not perfectly, but they are endeavoring by God's grace to walk in the light. And so he is dealing with this as he is giving assurance to the people of God. That's one of the main reasons he's written this epistle. I write these things so that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have life in the Son. And so he gives a number of tests. This is the first test. John says, if we have life in the sun, then we will be walking in the light. We're going to look specifically this morning at verse 9. Because we we just briefly mentioned it last week. But this is a, a wonderful verse. Probably many of us that grew up in church, this is one of the first Verses that we ever memorized, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And so those who are walking in the light, John is going to explain what that might look like. And he'll do that as we go through the book of First John. This is what it looks like to walk in the light. And one of the evidences that we are walking in the light is... Walking in the light will be evidenced by a regular confession of sins. So the video of a believer's life, it's not going to show someone who is sinless. 
who, who's always walking in the light and never does anything wrong, no. But the video will show that when they do sin, they are confessing that sin. They have an issue with sin in their life. They're addressing sin in their life. That's an evidence that they belong to Christ because they are confessing their sins. And that's what we see here in First John. So John is going to focus on this um, and speak about this, that this will be a mark of a believer that he is confessing his sin. So first we see that those walking in the light embrace hard facts about themselves. We have come to see something about ourselves, and that is that we are a sinner. That was not true of those who are walking in the darkness. We saw back in verse, uh, verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. Verse, 11, uh, verse uh, 10, if we say that we have not sin, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. That's what darkness dwellers say. They, they're not concerned about sin. It's a non-issue to them. They're not concerned about that. They don't feel that about themselves. And, in fact, they are those who deny sin or they excuse sin. And, you know, you see that very early in your children, don't you? Did you break that vase? No, I didn't do it. You know, kids have a Ph.D. in making excuses about sin. Well, where did they get that from? Well, they got it from their parents. And where did their parents get it from? We got it from our first parents. It's the woman that you gave me. The devil made me do it. We are very good at making excuses for our sins, denying our sins, and even redefining what sin is. When God's word says certain things, we have a way of saying, no, no, that's not true. That's not sin. We live in a culture where that is happening around us, redefining what sin is and what sin isn't. But we need to understand this. God is the one who defines what sin is, not us, not our culture, not our psychologists or sociologists. It is God who defines what sin is. And as believers, we have come to see something about ourselves and we recognize hard facts of what God says in his word about our own hearts that all have sinned and all have fallen short of the glory of God. That's true of me. And we come to confess that and understand that about ourselves. And secondly, we uh, see that those who are walking in the light are those who confess their sins. We've come to understand the reality of sin in our life, but we also have come to see the need to confess our sins before God. And as we think about that, to confess our sins is that we take sides with God about our sins. In this verse, verse 9, John says, if we confess our sins. This word confess is a very interesting little Greek word. And it's made up of two words that one is same and one is to speak. And it's the idea to say the same thing. When we confess sin, we are taking sides with God. We are agreeing with God about what he says about sin, about our sin. 
Instead of being defensive about our sins, we step across and we agree with the judge. What we have done is wrong, and we are agreeing with him. We're not defending ourselves, making a defense for ourselves, but we are confessing, and we are agreeing, and we are saying the same thing about our sin that God says about it. We're not ignoring it. We're not excusing it. We're not redefining it. We are agreeing with God that this is wrong. I have missed the mark. And so here is this confession that is made, and I am agreeing with God about my sin. And uh, this is why this verse is very glorious. It's a glorious verse. As we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us, and we'll talk about that in a minute. But we see to confess our sins is a lifelong spiritual discipline. When we are converted, when we have come to faith in Christ, we have repented of our sins, we've turned from them, and we've put our faith and trust in Christ. That happens at conversion. We confess our sins, we repent of them, and we call upon the Lord Jesus Christ to save us. But it doesn't end there. We continue to exercise faith in Christ, trusting him, and we continue to manifest in our life a a sensitivity to sin, sin. And one of the spiritual disciplines of the Christian life and growth in grace is to be repenting of our sins continually. And this is a present tense verb that is used by John here. If we are confessing our sins, this is true of a believer. This is a mark of a believer. He is confessing, she is confessing their sins. They're not living indifferent to them but they are confessing them. And so the video of the life of a believer is that this will be true of them. This will be part of who they are as a follower of Christ. They are repeatedly confessing sin. Probably, I think, all of us every day, we are confessing sin. And this will be the mark of the believer. This is mark of of what it is to belong to the Lord Jesus Christ. Those who are indifferent to sin, those who excuse their sin, those who think little of of their sin, that sin is a non-issue for them, these are people who are walking in darkness. But it will not be true of those who are children of Christ, born of the Spirit. Those who are walking in the light are agreeing with God, and they are continually confessing their sins on a regular basis. Thirdly, to confess our sins is, it's not general, but specific. Notice that John says, if we confess our, not sin, just generally, but if we confess our sins, it's in the plural. We see and identify sin, and we are confessing those sins to God as we come, become aware of them. Sinclair Ferguson, in a recent podcast, talked about give sin a name. He said, whatever you, whenever you come to realize, whatever you come to realize is distorting the image of the Lord Jesus Christ in you, be sure to give it a name. Scripture encourages us to confess our faults, but Scripture actually encourages us also not to be vague about them to confess our faults in general, but to specify them and to give them 
to give them names. So it's not just, Lord, forgive me of my sin in a general way. Lord, I spoke a word today that was inappropriate to my wife. Will you forgive me? And then I need to go to my wife and ask her to forgive me as well. Father, today I gossiped about somebody. I slandered somebody. Lord, I became angry in a sinful way today. And we know that it's more than just outward actions. It deals with the heart as well. Lord, I had thoughts today that were displeasing to you. Lord, I lusted in my heart. And we need to put a name to it. And we need to come and confess our sins to God. Now, surely we do not remember all of our sins. And even the psalmist recognized that. Psalm 19:12, he said, But who can discern their own errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Lord, what I don't know, what I can't name. Lord, even forgive me of those sins as well. Fourthly, to confess our sins is to hate and forsake them. True confession is a matter of the heart, isn't it? It's not just paying lip service and saying, God, yeah, I sinned, forgive me. There is a sense that I have grieved God, I have sinned against God, and I need to confess that to him. So it's not perfunctory. It's a matter of the heart. It's taking sin seriously. And one of the marks of true true repentance is, is a hating of it and a wanting to turn from it. Proverbs 28, 13, I would encourage you to memorize this verse. He who conceals his sin will not prosper. The one that seeks to cover up his sin, to conceal it, to ignore it, he's not going to prosper. That is going to be destructive in his life and ultimately, ultimately bring about the final judgment of God. So he who conceals his sin, he will not prosper. But he who confesses and forsakes his sin will find compassion. And those two things are brought together. He confesses and he forsakes it. Lord, I turn from this sin. I, I, I want to be done with it. It really is a, a part of repentance. And so when we pray, we ought to ask God to do this. Make me more like Jesus Christ. And we read in Hebrews 1 and verse 8, it says there concerning Jesus Christ that he loved righteousness and he hated lawlessness. Oh, God, make that to be more and more true of me. Too many times I love sin. Make me to be like Christ to hate my sin, and to love what is right, to love what is righteous and right in your sight. Now, as we think about this, this verse becomes glorious because there are promises that are attached to the one who comes in this way, confessing their sins before God. And we see the glory of this here in verse 9 that he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You know, we might think, and there's probably a voice in our head that tells us, well, you don't want to go and confess this to God. He's holy, and this is really pretty ugly. And there's something telling us, you know, you don't want to disclose this. You don't want to speak about it. Well, God knows about it. (laughs) He knows about it. 
And we might be afraid to go, but John says, no. When you come and you confess your sins, you can be encouraged to know this, that God is faithful and just. He'll forgive you and he will cleanse you. And we notice here this this glorious statement. John assures confessors that God will forgive and he will cleanse all their sins. The word forgive is a, a neat little word. It has the idea of to send away. There is the remission of that sin. It's sent away, as it were. And it made me think about what happened on the Day of Atonement. You remember two goats are killed. One of the goats, the blood is shed, not just one of the goats was killed, and the blood was shed, and, and, and it was put upon uh, the, the Ark of the Covenant in the Holy of Holies. The other goat, the priest would put his head upon that goat, and he would pronounce upon the head of that goat all the sins of the people of Israel. And then they would send that goat outside of the camp, out into the wilderness. What a beautiful picture. That Jesus Christ has taken our sins and he has removed them from us. He has sent them away from us. And as we read in Psalm 103, how blessed that our sins have been separated from us as far as the east is from the west. We see also that he cleanses us. He forgives us. He does this through the gospel, through the work of Christ. But he also, he cleanses us. In the Old Testament, you had a lot of washings and cleansings and purifications. But there's this looking forward to the one who will bring about a final cleansing and a final purification. Malachi 3.2 says that the one who is coming, he will be as a refiner's fire that purifies. And he will be like a launderer's soap to bring about cleansing. Zechariah 13.1, on that day there will be a fountain that is opened up to the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem to cleanse them from their sin and uncleanness. We need to be made clean because we are corrupted by sin. It defiles us. It makes us dirty, morally dirty. You remember a leper who came to Jesus a leper who was covered with leprosy, and he was not accepted into the community. He had to live outside of the community. If anyone passed by, he would say, unclean, unclean. And he comes to Jesus, and he says, Jesus, if you're willing, you can make me clean. You can make me clean. And Jesus healed that man. His body was cleansed and made pure pointing to the cleansing that Jesus does for those who are polluted with sin. He can make us clean. He washes us. He cleanses us. David said this, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies. Blot out my transgressions and wash me thoroughly from my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. Lord, I need to be washed clean. There's a fountain that has been opened up to us and sinners plunge within that fountain and they find forgiveness and cleansing for all their sin. I'm grateful for these two words that because of Christ, there is forgiveness. Our sins are sent away from us and there is cleansing that is provided through the work and the blood 
of Jesus Christ. Now, John wants to fortify this truth, and he wants to encourage his readers. And notice he says two things here. John fortifies his case first by saying, God is faithful. God is faithful. He's faithful to forgive our sins. He is faithful to the promises that he has made. He is made in the promise of the new covenant that there will be forgiveness of sins. And so he is able to forgive sins because he has made promises and he is faithful to keep them. He is a covenant-keeping God. So as we come and we confess our sins, we know he will be faithful to do what he has promised to do. I will remember their sins no more. I will pardon all their iniquities by which they have sinned and by which they have transgressed me. I will cleanse you from all your iniquity. As we come to the Lord's Supper today, we come and we are reminded this cup, this cup of the blood, of of the reminder of the blood of Christ, is shed for many for the remission of sins. He's faithful to forgive. And then also, he is just. He is just to forgive. It's right for him to do this. And it's right because Christ has paid the price. And therefore God remains just and the justifier of the one who believes in the Lord Jesus Christ. He doesn't sweep our sin under the carpet and say, okay, you're forgiven. No, he's faithful and he's just when he forgives us because Christ has paid the penalty in full. My sin, oh, the bliss of this glorious thought has been nailed to the cross, and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord, O my soul. And notice that John says, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all, all unrighteousness. Sometimes we might think, God can't forgive me for what I've done. No, he forgives for all our unrighteousness, whatever the sin may be. Jesus says to everyone that comes to me, I will receive him. And where sin has abounded, the grace of God does much more abound in Jesus Christ. So here's this promise from from John concerning the gospel. That as we confess our sins, we can know this and be assured that God's faithful. And God is just. And he will forgive us and he will cleanse us from all our unrighteousness. What a wonderful verse. What a wonderful truth is given to us in the word of God here. So I would ask you this morning, does this describe you? Does 1 John 1, 9 describe you? Are you one who recognizes there is an issue of sin and a battle with sin And you are confessing your sin. You're dealing with your sin. You're waging war against it. And when you sin, you're confessing it to God. And this is true of you. Or are you one whose sin is really not a concern to you? You don't think about it much. You don't really give thought to it at all. Are you walking in the darkness? Or are you walking in the light? If you're here without Christ, sin is a big issue. It is a big issue. It is the most important thing that you need to be concerned about because the wages of sin is death. The soul that sins will surely die. 
But there's a Savior who came into this world to save defiled, guilty, ungodly sinners. Flee to him. Call upon the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, and you will be saved. And as believers, we ought to give thanks to God. This is true of us, that God has so worked in our hearts that we see our sin for what it is, and we've come to confess it and acknowledge it, and we are waging war against it by the grace of God. That is the fingerprints of God's grace upon our lives. And thanks be to God that it is so. But we recognize that we don't always we don't always confess our sin and we're not we need to do that. And uh, so I invite you to take your bulletin and on the back of it we're going to have a corporate confession of sin as we prepare, prepare to come to the Lord's table today. We recognize